going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a uh, resource that's dedicated to telling stories and sharing experiences, and maybe you'll learn something a little bit, uh, all for the athletic communications profession. Uh, I am also uh, a student kind of uh, slash assistant, almost GA-like uh, guy at the University of Southern Indiana here in Evansville. So uh, for those of you that have been asking where I work, what I do, that's that's about it. So I'm just an assistant at USI is what we call it. So today we do have Jim Napperstek of the uh, Loris College that is in Dubuque, Iowa. There's are, there are actually a lot of colleges in Iowa that I've noticed. Uh, Division three NAI level type of thing. Some of them do have quite a bit of of uh, success, and I know that Loris is one of those. So, Jim uh, kind of went on a path that probably most of you have kind of had a frustration with when you were maybe graduating, or maybe uh, you're kind of at this place now as a young professional, or maybe at any stage of your career where you send out application after application, you get interview, interview, you get so far in the process, and then nothing. Uh, and for Jim, uh, he graduated. Um, not really knowing where he was going to be in life, and he was going to give himself a couple weeks before he had to find a job there in Dubuque before actually getting a GA spot, and then ultimately returning to his alma mater. We'll talk about uh, just what that meant to him. So um, Jim Napperstick is our guest today, but guys, I just want to let you know that next week we will be off uh, November. The uh, looks like the uh, 23rd on my calendar for Thanksgiving, so we will be. Um, taking a break there because uh, obviously you'll be with your families, I'll be with my families, and I'm not really going to pay attention much to anything that day because I haven't been home a whole lot uh, this semester. So, uh, But then we will kick off and return as we start to close out 2017 with uh, on the 30th with Joe Price of the Baylor Bears, and then afterward we'll have Donnie Smith and then a few others. I do have uh, the rest of December all planned out, actually. Uh, we're scheduled through the rest of December, which is kind of nuts to think about, but um, anyway, it doesn't really matter. So if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast uh, wherever you listen on iTunes, Stitcher, um, Google Play, and then uh, I can't think of the radio. What's it called? Tune in radio. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, towards the end of this episode, I struggle a little bit with trying to think of the fourth and um we just kind of if, if you don't already know this we are on all those platforms there um so if you know you you have maybe an android device or maybe don't even have an apple device there are other apps that, that we are on um as far as like the google play and um i know that uh uh the radio i can't even think of it now tune in radio that's it um TuneIn does have an app for just about everything, so we're on all of those. We tailored a, a whole lot of different things. Um, we're also on social media, at SportsInfoCast there, uh, both on Twitter and Facebook. And you can email me anytime, sportsinfocast at gmail.com. Guys, I will wrap this on up and unless you get to the episode with Jim Napperstek of Loris College and the Dewhawks. And we'll start talking about Jim's first ever contact with sports information right here on SIDcast. So I went to Joliet Catholic Academy in, in Joliet, Illinois. Um, I grew up actually, and I went to a public school. And uh, when I was a member of the Boy Scouts, there's an older member of my troop who I really looked up to, and he uh, he went to Joliet Catholic Academy, and and. and Pretty soon after I had, I had learned of that, I said, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow in his footsteps. So, um, 
I left the, the public school route and, and went the Catholic school route. And um, <clears throat> while I was at Julia Catholic Academy, my freshman year English teacher, her husband was a newspaper reporter. And I learned a lot from her as a teacher, um, but I started following what her husband was doing for the local paper. And he did this uh, series with our high school volleyball team because she was the coach where he followed our team from tryouts in August for girls volleyball through, and then they actually won the state championship that year. So, um, and, and he went to practices, he went on the road with teams and, and it was this, you know, inside look, but, dedicated coverage to the the Joliet Catholic Academy girls volleyball team and and I saw this and there was pictures and there was written pieces and I was infatuated I, I, I thought it was so cool that I said one day I'm I'm gonna do something like that I just needed to wait for that opportunity so that was uh, I think that was my sophomore year of high school and then I eventually made my way to Loris. Um, I didn't tour a whole lot of colleges. Um, I kind of had the feeling that I wanted a, a smaller college environment. Uh, I came on a tour here to Loris. Uh, it was, I think, October of my senior year of high school. And within five minutes of being on campus, I, lo- I fell in love. And I knew that I was, you know, that I was going to go here. And a big part of that uh, was that, you know, I, I knew that, and, and it was explained to me that being a smaller campus, I wasn't going to have to wait until I was a, a junior or a senior to, to get involved. You know, I was going to be able to do things right away as a freshman, and that was a big, uh, big appeal to me. So, <clears throat> uh, I originally came to Loris, and I was going to be a, a, a computer information technology major, uh, and I thought I was going to be, you know, like the guy that. You know, uh, when a, a brand new company starts, they need all their IT stuff set up because I've, I've been a huge computer geek my whole life. <clears throat> and uh, funny enough, my very first CIT class, um, the final project, we had to create a, a video. And before that, I hadn't had a whole lot of experience with video production. And uh I, I was able to rent a camera from our media studies department and I put this video together and, and I looked I, I looked at it a couple of years ago. I haven't looked at it in a while, but you know it wasn't anything special. but to me, this was the first time you know I had ever created a video from scratch and I fell in love. So it's just kind of funny that a project that was for my computer information technology major turned me away. From continuing <laughs> down that route, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, my uh, my sophomore or second semester freshman year, and then sophomore year, I began taking some of these uh, media studies courses, uh, and that was eventually what I majored in. So, um, my junior year, or summer going into my junior year, I had remembered, you know, back to my high school days about this project that that uh his name is bill shivey that he did and uh and i talked to a friend of mine who i had who was in the uh, same major as i and i explained to him you know this this vision that i had and, and he was all on board now he had played soccer here at loris his first two years and got hurt so he wasn't able to play anymore his older brother had played here um and so we decided we're gonna go to our soccer coach um, here at Loris, and and see if this is something that we could do. 
And uh, sure enough, he was all on board, um, you know, because at the time, this was before, this. so this would have been 2011. So in all reality, you know, Twitter was there, but it hadn't really taken off yet. And a lot of schools were still, especially at the Division three level, weren't, you know, all about this instant updates, instant coverage. Um, you know, it wasn't a totally uncommon for some schools to write a recap a day or two after a game had happened. And I wanted to provide as close to instant coverage as I possibly could at a dedicated location for people to, uh, you know, if they want to know anything about the soccer program at Loris College, they would go to my site. I didn't realize that at the time, but basically what I was doing is being a, serving as a primary contact for a sport. Uh, that, that thought honestly didn't even cross my head until, I, you know, really the season was over. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, and I talked with the, the current SID at that time. Um, and, you know, he, he, he thought what I was doing was great, um, but it didn't really go any further um, at that point in time. So that would have been um, my junior year. And uh, at, the, at the same time I was doing all this with a soccer team, I was also working for a junior hockey team, the Dubuque Fighting Saints. Um, and I was the game day photographer and a graphic designer, and I oversaw the social media efforts and updated the website because I was one of two people on staff that knew HTML code um, and how to not necessarily cre- or write PHP but edit it. Um, so I was doing all this you know, on the, the professional side, so to say. Uh-huh. And at the same time, when I wasn't with the hockey team, I was doing all this stuff with the collegiate side. And at the end of that year, I made the decision that I wanted to go the collegiate route. Um, and a big part of that was I wasn't a huge fan of sales. Um, it's for, for, for some people, they're just not cut out for it. I'm sure if that's all I did, you know, I, I could find a way to be successful, but um, there's so much to do every day in media that I was I was struggling getting the media stuff done and spending enough time on the sales end. So at the time, you know, I wasn't sure if that was the the right decision to make or not, but um, I decided I was going to leave the the Fighting Saints, and I had talked with the current SI or the the SID at the time here at Loris. And kind of, if you ask him, maybe he remembers it differently. In my head, I kind of pushed him to create this position for me. He hadn't had, um, you know, he had had student help, but a lot of that was on game days. He didn't have, you know, what I considered to be as close to a full-time student assistant, Uh uh, where I was in just about every day and, and a lot of the, the behind the scenes prep work to get things ready and press releases and all that kind of stuff. So, um, in my senior year of college, I came over and I did that. And, uh, I, and I was actually just talking about this the other day with, um, during that year that I created, uh, at the time we called it a snap cap. Why we came up with that? I, I don't know how that name came to be, but basically we had done nothing for graphics and we wanted to create something that as soon as the game was over, we could put the final score on an action photo and tweet it. It sounds so like 
black and white and simple. Yeah. But this was 2012, and, and at Loris, we hadn't done anything like that before. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, so I created our, our snap cap layout, and, and, and I look back at it now, and it was... It served its purpose, but it you know the, the branding was kind of all over the place. Um, the, the 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 design was not complex at all. I mean, compared to what what we do now, it, it was it, it doesn't look very good. <laughs> but we had to start somewhere, um, and so my my senior year, I I was I was at that point one hundred percent all in. I wanted to be a sports information director. Um, I, I lived it. I breathed it. And I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do. Perfect. So then, Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, so then it was about, uh, my, my, uh, December, um, December, January was when I started the job trail and, um, filled out about 60 to 65 applications, had a couple interviews and, and actually graduated and didn't have, anything so um, i don't know if that's a future topic or if you want me to stop there no we can keep we can talk about that here in a little bit what i what i wanted to ask you about though before we get into anything else is uh you kind of mentioned it briefly but and i've kind of like i'm just trying my best to kind of educate and i'm learning about this sort of thing so um the boy scouts you're a part of something that that's pretty i mean it's it's a big deal i mean what for those that don't know what is the order of the arrow uh, <clears throat> so the Order of the Arrow is, is Scouting's National Honor Society, and it, it's a, a it's an organization that you have to be elected by the peers in your in your home troop. Um, so, you know, for those of you that aren't familiar with how the, the Boy Scouts are arranged, um, it's all it's all based on geography. So you have your regions, and then below your regions you have your areas, mm-hmm. and then below your areas you have your councils. And then inside of your councils, you have your districts, and inside of your distri- districts, you have your troops. So, and, I, and you can even go further down, but um, each year, uh, your troop has an election, and, and the youth of the troop vote on individuals who you know exemplify the, the scout oath and scout law in their in their daily lives, and and who are well-rounded individuals who, who go out of their way to help others. Kind of in a in a nutshell. Um, so once you're elected, um, you're, you're called out and that's kind of your official notice of, of nomination, excuse me. And then, um, so your election is typically in, oh, probably February, March, you're called out over the summer. And then in the fall, you go through what's, what's called the ordeal. Um, and the ordeal is a, uh, it's a weekend, uh, where you are, you're out and you're kind of, it's, it's a, it's a mentally challenging weekend. Um, you do physical labor and the whole idea behind it is to separate yourself from your everyday life and really think about, um, what, what the, the, in a very simple sense, what life is about and, and how you can work together with others, um, and, and make each other better. Um, so <clears throat> I've been a, a, a Boy Scout my entire life. Um, in addition to uh, being an Eagle Scout, um, I, was, uh, I was elected a Lodge Chief. And then uh, later after that, I was elected a, a Section Chief. So um, I, I served on uh, the National Conference staff in 2000 and, oh, that was 2009. 
I believe, um, at Indiana University. And uh, I, I, I've said it to, to multiple people before, but I believe that, you know, not, not why I'm good at my job, but um, the, the leadership side of what I'm able to do every single day, I, I learned that when I was 11 and 12 years old. Um, and, you know, not to say that I'm a better leader than anybody else, but right, when, you yeah. at, when you look at people my age, you know, they may be just getting their first crack at leadership experience when they're maybe a senior in high school or even later after that. And um, here I was, you know, I was 12 years old and, and I was already leading a, a group of five people. And then that turned into, you know, our, our troop and et cetera, et cetera. So um, yeah. <clears throat> my experiences through the, through the Boy Scouts, you know, 100% have, have molded me into a bit, uh, the, the individual that I am today. And, and I followed in my father's footsteps. Uh, he was an Eagle Scout uh, when he was uh, a, a kid. And um, he actually wasn't elected into the Order of the Arrow when he was a youth. And we did our, we were elected the same year. We did our, or sorry, he was elected a year after me, but uh, we did our, our second level together. Um, and then uh, we're both uh, third third level members as well. So, um, it's, it's been a, a really neat thing for him and I to share and, um, you know, and then that's carried over into mobile or other, other areas of our life as well. Yeah, and real quickly, just uh, another question. You said a little bit there about leadership, but, um, is there anything else that you've kind of taken away from your experiences there that you've kind of applied to your job now? You know, it's, it's not necessarily directly connected to the, um, the educational program of the Boy Scouts, but but my experiences with that organization, um, the the biggest thing that I took away from there and, and other in multiple instances was just how important preparation is. Um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of a lot of the the hours that I'm working on a regular week, you know, are are in preparation for for an upcoming game or, you know, a press release that needs to go out maybe three or four days from now. Um, but I, that was a big thing that, you know, as a kid growing up, it's, I, you need this, you know, you get in the homework assignment that day, you do it that night, you turn it in tomorrow. Like the whole, you know, idea of spending three or four days or even longer than that sometimes working on a project and, and all the different uh, details that go into that project. Um, if I hadn't have been, a member of, of the Boy Scouts, I, I know I wouldn't have had that that experience to learn from that. You know, I played sports as well, and and you don't you don't get that type of um, you know experience and, and and learning opportunity. Yeah, cool. So uh, let's get back to some sports information stuff. So you kind of mentioned, and I, I like we've never really talked about this before, but you said you filled out you know sixty sixty five applications, had a few interviews. I mean, one, what was that point in time like? for you personally and then two i mean what, what kind of load was that on I mean, it was same question it was kind of. so demoralizing um it, it was definitely the you know i don't want to say the hardest time of my life but uh, here i was i thought i was doing everything right by you know, I had, I had worked two years for a junior hockey team. I had worked one year for a college sports information office, and I couldn't get an interview in, in 90% of these applications. 
um, it was it was tough, and, and and I don't know, you know, I, I, I to this day I still don't know if it was just I was applying for the wrong jobs or what, um, but it was, you know, it was it was really tough um, because you know when you're a senior in college, that's all everyone ever talks to you about is is what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And yeah. Every day, and I would check the COSIDA job board, and I would check uh, the NCAA job market, and I would say probably on average it was three to four jobs or internships a week that I was applying for, and I, you know, probably about 25% of those I would hear back from, and more times than not when I heard back it was, you know, thank you for applying, we'll keep your resume on file, and yeah. but we, you know, we've chosen somebody else. Um one of the, the, the hardest, uh, the heartbreak I had was I applied for the NCAA postgraduate internship in Indianapolis. And uh, one of my really good friends from college was the uh, Division Three SAC president. Um, and, you know, as a result, he had got me connected with some individuals that he had met through the NCAA office. And, and so here I thought, all right. You know, I haven't really gotten anywhere yet, but I've got this connection now, um, and I made it through the first round. And then I had to do a writing sample, and I made it through the second round. And then I had a phone interview, and I'm thinking at this point, all right, like, I'm finally getting somewhere. And <clears throat> and then after that phone interview, I was told, okay, you know, we'll have an answer back to you if you move on to the next round in two weeks. Well, Two weeks comes and goes, and every time my phone go when you know buzzed or beeped uh-huh. or whatever, my heart just like stopped. Like, all right, this could be it, and nothing. And then in about four weeks, I got an email uh, from you know the guy I interviewed with, and he said, you know, we we really appreciate you taking the time to interview with, interview with us, but we've you know selected somebody else. And after that rejection that one hit me the hardest um and and i don't know if that was a big part of like my own doing that i had gotten myself like so amped up like all right like this is going to happen um so after that after i got that rejection i probably took two weeks off uh from even looking at jobs i was just i was kind of demoralized because i was right back to where i started and uh I was, I was pretty crushed. So, um, but eventually I, I, you know, got back on my feet and, and then I was a finalist for a, a GA spot in Wisconsin at a, at a school there and was passed over. Uh, didn't get that one. And so I graduated from Loris and I had nothing. I had no idea where I was going to go. Um, I knew I was going to be spending the summer still here in Dubuque. Um, and I basically, in my head, had given myself about three weeks, three to four weeks after I graduated to either find myself, you know, an internship or a job in, in the sports information field, or I was either going to have to move back home, or if I wanted to stay in Dubuque, I was going to have to find, you know, a job. Um, and it was about four, four or five days after I graduated, uh, my 
the, the my boss that I was working for at Loris, John Denham, sent me an email saying that one of his former student assistants was an SID at a Division three school in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and they had just gotten approved to hire a grad assistant. And I thought, all right, let's do it. I jumped right on board. I had, I think I had my first phone interview a week and a half later, um, and then. They brought me on campus about two weeks after that, and I'll never forget this. It was the it was the most bizarre experience that I've had when applying for a job. I walk in there, you know, I, I meet Luke. Luke is his name, Luke Paterosi, and he's now at Marquette. Um, and I, I talk with Luke for about five ten minutes. This whole time, I'm thinking, all right, like I've got to I've got to have everything perfect, you know, because I you know I, I at this point in my head, this was my last shot. Um, Otherwise, I was going to have to figure out what I was going to do. So I'm, I'm trying to make sure that everything is, is perfect. I'm answering all these questions correctly. And so after I meet with Luke on that day, my next interview is with the athletic director. And we're not talking about, you know, job-related stuff. He's asking about me about, you know, what the housing options are and, and where, where I might live and things like that. And, and it threw me for this loop because here I'm thinking, like, you know, maybe I'm in here today and they've got another finalist in here tomorrow. Um, turns out I was the only person they brought on campus. Hmm. So when they brought me on that day, it was basically to make sure I wasn't some crazy psycho <laughs> and, and I could have a conversation, and, you know, face to face with people. Uh, but they were they were committed that they were going to hire me. So um, that was uh, <clears throat> that was probably about early July. Um I actually had a family vacation right after that, and then the first week of August, I packed up everything I had here in Dubuque, Iowa, and I moved uh, two and a half hours northeast-ish to Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and uh, that was, you know, I I enjoy what I do at Loris, but in all honesty, that was uh, probably one of the most enjoyable times of my life. being a GA is a, such a unique opportunity, and and it comes with a weird, like there's still stress to the job, but it's a lot different than when you're the head guy. Because um, basically, you know, what I went into this thinking, I want to do everything I can to make Luke's job easier. Mm. And when you're doing that, you're not, you know, necessarily driving the boat. You're just, you know, you're the motor, right? So. You know, Luke and I, we hit it off great. Um, similar similar backgrounds growing up. Uh, both, you know, really like sports. Shocker. <laughs> and uh, we just we just clicked like right off the bat. And um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't this you know boss and employee role. You know, it was like basically just two but two guys just talking sports every day you know, working our tails off. But, you know, when, when we had off days, he'd, he'd bring me over to, you know, his house and and I got to know his family and his two kids at the time. And then uh, they've actually got a third now, but um, it it was just, it was so much more than, than than the traditional, you know, boss employee relationship. It was, you know, something really unique. and, and, And I'm still, I talk to Luke three, four times a week and at least twice a year, um, I, I make it a point to, to get over to Milwaukee, where he lives now, and see him and and uh, his wife and the kids. And um, I 
it was it was a phenomenal experience and uh but sure enough that only lasted eight months so Mm -hmm. um that year uh loris men's soccer had gone to the final four in san antonio and um because of the work i had done here at loris the the men's soccer coach wanted to fly me down so I go down to the final four and I'm sharing a room with my former boss, um, who was the SID at Loris. And, and he tells me, listen, I'm, I'm at the end of the road. Uh, I've got something that, that I'm going to move on to, uh, in Dubuque. Uh, but the SID job at Loris is going to be opening January one. So if you want it, get your stuff ready and get ready to go. And it was like, Like, I couldn't believe it, because when I graduated, I kept telling people, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to, you know, try try this GA route in Marion, but someday I want to come back and be the SID at Loris, and I'm thinking five, ten years down the road, um, you know, maybe I had been at two or three places already, and here I was, you know, realistically seven months after I had graduated from Loris, and then I'm being told that, you know, basically my dream job is opening. And uh, I thought about it a lot <clears throat> uh, over the next couple of weeks and decided I was I was going to go after this. And I'll never forget my when I told my dad, um, he told me, don't apply. And it wasn't that he didn't think I would get it, but he knew the struggle I had gone through as in my senior year of college to, to get that job um, at Marion. And what he told me was, you know, Marion, Marion didn't have to give you that opportunity. And, and if you leave Marion now, you're going to burn a bridge um, and, and, you know, hurt those people who took a chance on you. And, and I thought about that a lot. And, uh, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, I, I couldn't pass up you know, the opportunity. And, and, and I went and probably, uh, probably about a week before Christmas, I talked to Luke. Um, and, and I, and I told him about this and, and he said, do it, go after it. And, uh, um, apply January one. And I think I was on campus for an interview for, for whatever reason, that took a long time. But I, I came on campus for an interview in early March, and then uh, it was like March 14th, March 15th, something like that. Uh, I got the call that that I had been given or offered the job. So, in all said and done, about 10 months after I had graduated, I was back here at Loris working. So it was uh, kind of a kind of a whirlwind of 12 months yeah. there to go from. <laughs> being rejected every, every, you know, opportunity that was possible to, you know, working at my alma mater. Yeah. So I have two questions that kind of stem off of of what you just said there. So the first thing I'm going to ask you, and I can imagine what your answer is going to be, but what's it mean to come back and work for your dream job or your alma mater to you? Uh, it's, it's a very unique opportunity, uh, for me, you know, when the going gets tough, um, and, and then and then it happens a lot. And when you have a connection, either to other people or to an institution that is is more than just surface level, um, more times than not, it provides you that that extra 
burst of energy or that extra motivation that you know you're gonna you're gonna stay late you know on a monday night or, or a friday night or, or you're not gonna you know go out with your friends on saturday because you've got to get ready for a game on sunday or something like that um because it's it's like everybody cares about their job but there there's there's a definitely a pride issue um or, or pride um characteristic not an issue a pride characteristic that that plays a, a major factor and that you know I, I i do what i do to make morris as, as as good as it possibly can be because you know i i want loris to be successful down the road i want loris to be you know to have an opportunity to get great recruits and i know that you know the work that i'm doing all plays a factor in that and uh, my second question, uh, and it's kind of related to a question I'll ha- I might have later, but what would you say to maybe a, a senior, junior, just anybody looking for a job that's just kind of like you are, or you were, um, you know, applying and hearing nothing back? I mean, what would you say to them to kind of just get them through what's going on? Uh, don't ever give up. Um, you know, uh, it's, and I know it's easier said than done, um, but you never know when when an opportunity is going to pop up. Um, you know, I if I would have given up after the NCAA, you know, uh, rejected me, or after that other school did, you know, who knows what I'd be doing right now. Um, you know, and I know it's really cliche, and everyone always says it, but you know, everything happens for a reason. Blah blah blah. But I, I mean, there's just certain things that have happened in my life that I. I can't explain any other way. Um, you know, it, 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 it's almost like I was supposed to, um, get rejected 60, 65 times. And then, you know, sure enough, a Loris graduate, you know, has a grad assistant opening that, that I have the opportunity to go there and, and I'm given basically the keys of the Camaro on day one <laughs> and go and do great things. And, and that set me up, to then come back to Loris. I mean, I I was hired to be a head SID. Yes, it was at my alma mater, but I was hired to be a head SID, and I was 22 years old. I, I, I and and I've thought you know a couple different times about going you know back to my AD at the time and like, what were you thinking? Um, I mean, because let's be honest, like you're you're entrusting at the time we had just announced our 23rd. Uh, varsity athletic program so you're telling me you have more the number of uh, varsity athletic programs is higher than the age of your SID uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's just I, I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong I'm glad that he took that chance on me but you know how many other athletic directors out there are are willing to hire I mean let's be honest the, the, the SID should be um, considered an administrative position on, on most, if not all, campuses. Right. So what are you thinking hiring a 22-year-old to an administrative position at your institution? Um, you know, I, I've, I've gathered some different things from, from the coaches that were here and a part of it. They've said is, is a big, big reason why, you know, they – you know that I was hired is, is that I was I was willing to think outside the box and, and kind of challenge the the status quo so to say you know I wasn't just going to do things how they'd always been done and and I think that's that's fueled a lot 
Fox's name out there, you know, so well is that we're we're always trying new things and we're, you know, owning literally owning our craft um, in, in everything that we do. All right, awesome. So when you got the year, like you said, you were twenty two. Got in your office the first time, and that's kind of crazy because I'm 22, so that's kind of nuts for me to think about. But you sat down on your chair for the first time. What was the first thing you did? Uh, the first, <laughs> the first night I that I was on campus working full time, I was at the office until four o'clock in the morning uh, because we had baseball, softball, and lacrosse that week. And I needed to create game programs and game notes for all three sports. That was the very first thing that I worked on. Um, and, uh, and I remember being here until 4 o'clock in the morning. I went home, slept in, until probably about 8. Um, and, and side note, I'm not a morning person by any means. Uh, but, you know, that week, you know, I, I knew I had to... I had to put my nose to the grindstone, and so I went home, slept for a few hours, and then came right back. And uh, it, it was just coming in the middle of the year is, is is so much. It was such a different experience than when I was a GA because um, I, I had about I had about two weeks to kind of get myself acclimated at Marion, um, and coming back to Loris, I mean, baseball had already played you know, a handful of games and, and it was literally just get kind of get us through the end of the year. And, uh, we, you know, we, we started some things right off the bat, um, and, uh, and did what we could in, in that respect. Um, but, uh, it was to say it was a whirlwind, I think is probably the, the best way to describe it. Yeah. Perfect. So, um, now that you kind of there and you kind of had this leadership experience with kind of your boy scouts and everything. So and you're a small school in Iowa. I know there's a lot of colleges in Iowa, but how do you kind of build that staff around you to kind of, you know, make Loras the best brand that it is? Um, I think, well, right off the bat, I, I inherited um, two really, really strong individuals that uh, I can't help but think um, their, their role in that very first year um, is that, and the impact that they have, continues to be felt today and that was katie gonzalez who's a um, assistant director of athletic communications for new media at eastern michigan university and then mary kate holm who's the uh, grad assistant um, with the women's basketball program um, having those two here um, right off the bat uh, really was was so crucial for me because um, i and they they bought in right away. I came in basically and said, I want to blow everything up on how we've done it. And I want to just start, start fresh. And there was no, um, doubt. There was no concern. They, they bought in right off the bat and said, all right, let's do it. How can we help? And, um, you know, it wasn't an overnight process, but pretty quickly, I mean, certainly within 12 months, we had completely changed, um, the, the, the culture and the level of expectation. Um, and from day one, I've never, never compared myself to, um, a division three, you know, uh, other division three schools. And that's not, not an effort to sound conceited by mm -hmm. any means. Yeah, yeah. Um, cause there are a lot, 
there are a lot, a lot of great Division three SIDs out there. Um, but what, what you know, kind of our saying is, is, is we, we want to compare ourselves to the Power 5 schools and do everything we can to match that level with our resources. Um, and, and, and it's not, not in any attempt to knock on Division three, but it's if we shoot to, to match the level of these Division one programs, you know, we're, we're still going to be, you know, at the very top of, of Division three, even if we don't, you know, meet that, right. you know, kind of the saying, shoot for the star, shoot for the, the moon, you'll fall amongst the stars or whatever that is. So um, that's kind of our, our mindset here is, is, you know, how can, how can we, you know, do everything that the University of Illinois is doing, you know, even though they have eight full-time people and, and six times the budget that, that we do here at Loris. So, um, and, and along the way, we've we've learned some tricks and we've discovered some tools out there that, that help shrink that gap. Um, and, and, it made, and it's made a big difference. Uh, you personally, you've, you've garnered a lot of awards. I know you were on the Top 25 uh, award for um, uh, Front Office Sports. Yeah, that's yep. there. And then, um, but I'm just curious, and you kind of mentioned you're trying to do everything that you possibly can. So what is it like just being in a market that is Dubuque and trying to like kind of get the Duhawk name out there uh, just as far as like a marketing, maybe social media standpoint? Can you hit on that real quick? Yeah, um, in Dubuque, Iowa, you know, we, we're a, a town of, of 60,000 people. I guess maybe that's considered a city. I don't know where the, where the breakdown is, but um, 60,000 people. Um, there's, there's four different colleges in, in Dubuque and, uh, University of Wisconsin Platteville is about 20 miles away. And then you've got, um, three, three high schools in Dubuque and you've got, uh, a a high school in Southwest Wisconsin that's in our market. So to say that there's competition for space in in the local news is an understatement, um, you know, as much as we try, you know, it, it, the the average Dubuque citizen is has more connection and more affiliation to uh, our local high schools than they do our colleges, and and that's that's been uh, a, a struggle maybe or a battle yeah. uh, that we've tried to you know fight a little bit, and now it, it's kind of getting to the point where you know we're gonna we're gonna do everything we can to get our message out there. Um, and, and if our local media, you know, picks up a story here or there, I mean, that's kind of just the icing on the cake. Um, you know, not, not quite to the extreme of, I think it was South Carolina that did it this year where, you know, they, they came out and made the statement that, you know, they're not going to cater to their local media and, and their newspapers and TV stations that, you know, the university of South Carolina athletics is, is their own voice piece and you know if you want to know about Gamecock football you're not going to the local newspaper you're going to you know Gamecocks.com or whatever it is Uh and you know I think they their statement probably rubbed people the wrong way um (laughs) you know to to some extent but I would imagine a lot of it's the same you know for us and and our key demographics you know people aren't are not really going to our local newspaper to find out you know what the score was from you know last night's game you know they're going they're either checking our twitter our facebook um our website or our mobile app um and you know because they know that's that's going to be the reliable and up-to-date information 
Perfect. So um, this is the part of the interview where uh, I like to ask some fun questions. And the first question I have for you, Jim, is a uh, favorite memory in your professional tenure. It, it, this was January of 2016. Um, at this point, I I was, in all reality, still new. I mean, I still consider myself new. I mean, let's be honest, I've been doing this less than five years at Loris. But, um, you know, I, I hadn't made a whole lot of national or nationwide connections. You know, I was still kind of in that mindset that you know no one's really paying attention to what i'm doing um from from you know outside of maybe our conference and um i get a call from sam atkinson who's the uh director of athletic communications at gallaudet in washington dc and sam asked me if i want to serve on a panel at cosida and uh I just, I couldn't believe it. Like, here I am, like, I'm, I, let's see, tw- I was uh, 24 years old at this time. You know, I'd been in my job for, for less than four years, and, and, and I'm being asked by, you know, I knew Sam was a big deal, and, and he still is. He's, you know, when I mentioned that there are a lot of great SIDs at the Division three level, he's he's certainly, you know, at or near the top of that list. Um, and he's been a, a phenomenal uh, ally for, for me and, and, uh, individual that, that I look up to and, and, and what he's been able to do in his career, um, and, and get back to so many people. But, but Sam gives me a call and, and asks if, if I want to be on the, the panel for, for division three day. And, uh, that, that one phone call has opened so many more doors, um, to me, you know, it was because of that, that, you know, it, it was still kind of on the fence, going into that year if I was going to go to Cosida um, and because I did not go my first year and being able to tell my AD that you know I, I'm, I'm I'm a panelist and uh, that that kind of helped you know get the get the signature so to say for me to go um, and, and so then you know being at Cosida for the first time you know just met so many different people um and then that carried me over into the you know 2017 when i was a moderator for a panel and and uh you know just continues to open so many different doors um and and allows me to connect with so many different great people in this organization um that continue to to continue to help me out and, and and i hope that i've been able to help some of them out as well what about uh on the other side of the coin what's your biggest horror story so far uh well, you know how I mentioned earlier I'm not a morning person? Yeah. Well, this actually just happened about a month ago. Uh, we had scheduled our winter sports media day, um, and on that day we do headshots and photo, sh- uh, photo shoot and, and some different interviews. Um, and we had four sports lined up. Everything was all scheduled to start at 9 a.m., and – I was at the office, this was Monday morning, so I was at the office late on Sunday until about 2 o'clock, and, and I was I had the, the room ahead of time, so I was able to lay out a lot of our equipment, um, but uh, I my alarm didn't go off in the morning, um, and, uh, and I actually overslept, and, and I not just like overslept, I didn't wake up until 9.30 um, when media day was supposed to start at 9, so... Uh, that was, uh, that was probably the, one of the worst, uh, and high, biggest struggles, uh, 
of trying to bounce back from that. Uh-huh. Got here as soon as I could. Luckily, I do only live 45 seconds away, uh, but uh, was able to, to get, get the day going and get everything taken care of. Perfect. So uh, this is kind of related. Like I kind of mentioned earlier, this might be a related question, but uh, one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? Uh, one piece of advice would be, you know, do everything you possibly can, you know, I, and everyone right now is, is wanting to, to get paid and, and wanting to, um, get, get recognition and, you know, you don't, don't, don't get your, don't hurt yourself by, you know, worrying about pay and worrying about recognition. Just get in there, do the job and people are going to notice. And, and when people notice, then you're going to be asked to return and do other things. Um, you know, that's a, that's a, something that I've lived by and I've, I've volunteered at, at a number of different events and, you know, obviously it's great to, to get, you know, a paycheck at the end of it. But, um, especially when you're trying to get your foot in the door, um, volunteer as much as you possibly can and, and, uh, you know, make, make as many connections as, as you possibly can. Uh, when you look around in your conference division, country, whatever, um, you look at somebody and you say that is a good SID, uh, what are some things that they do, maybe some characteristics that they have that make you say that? You know, I think uh, a couple of different, you know, just individuals right off the bat that, that stand out to me are, are uh, you know, our, our D3 uh, side up president, Lenny Reich, at Mount Union. And, and one of the things that really stands out to me about Lenny is, is you know, when it comes to Division three football, you know, Mount Union – is is the pinnacle mm-hmm. and uh he i can't imagine you know the what what that is like and, and we've actually talked about it uh, when i was out at track nationals this last year um i've talked to lenny about you know what is it like you know being the sid for for easily the the best division three football program you know in the country and uh he, I don't know if he was sugarcoating it or if he was shooting it straight, but I mean, he makes it sound like, you know, yeah, it's a lot of work, but he makes it sound like, you know, it's, you know, when you work for the right people and you have the right people surrounded by you, um, anything is possible. And, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, I don't, I don't, I, I can't remember if he said that verbatim, but that was one of the things I did take away because he made a lot of comments about his athletic director and his head football coach and, and what it's like working for them. And, you know, just by him describing that in that way, you know, that was kind of my takeaway is, is when you surround yourself with the right people, um, it, it's going to make you, uh, it's going to open, open the possibility for you to be, uh, successful. Um, a couple of the others that, that really stand out to me, um, you know, Jared Johnson at Bethel University in Minnesota. Um, Jared, uh, Jared and I were on a, he was the moderator for that first panel, um, that I did at Cosida. Um, and, and Jared, uh, you know, similar situation to me, a, a one man shop, um, and, and how he's able to, to find balance in everything, um, is, is pretty amazing. Uh, cause they put out some, some great content up there and, and, uh, and I know he takes a lot of pride in, in what he does. Um, and so, you know, he's another one that, you know, I look at and, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, whenever, you know, we, 
we don't, our teams actually don't play each other a whole lot. So our, our paths don't cross a ton during the year. Um, but, uh, whenever the opportunity arises, I, you know, I, I always enjoy, you know, touching base with him and, and, uh, you know, seeing how, you know, things are going up in Minnesota and, and, you know, how, how our two lives are are both similar and different, um, you know, kind of going about the, you know, similar, similar challenges that we face on our own campuses and, and how they, you know, maybe overlap sometimes. Uh, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? I think a, a big thing for me um, that that I've kind of got my eyes set on, and it's not even like a uh, a practical or a hands-on, you know, technique or, or style. It's it's finding a way to live a life outside of work. Um, you know, and, and we're always talking about that work-life balance and, and you know, how do you, you know, work 14, 15 hours a day, you know, regularly, not just, a, you know, a Saturday here and there, but, but regularly work 14, 15 hours, you know, and, and have a home life. Um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm single. You know, I, I don't have a, a wife and kids yet. Um, you know, so it's, it's not a huge issue at this point. You know, but you know, and that's that's one of the things I look at with with someone like Jared is you know he's got a wife and a kid and and he's able to continue to do great work, um, and I know there's there's not a chance he's working as many hours as I am. So um, I think it's a kind of a, a goal of mine is to you know start to find ways to be more efficient with my time. Um, so that, you know, I don't have to work 75 hours a week to, to do the work that I want to do. Um, you know, find a way to get that down to an average of 70 and then from there from 70 to 65 and, and things like that. Um, it's going to always going to be a struggle for me though. Um, because my students remind me all the time that I'm a perfect, I'm a perfectionist, um, and then my response usually to them is, well, if you can find a way to be successful under me, then everything else in life should come pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, my next question is kind of ironic, and, and you can mention what you said to me off air a little bit, but uh, work-life balance, I mean, do you do anything now to kind of unwind and have fun? Um, you know, uh, I've, I've always been a big video game guy, um, and uh, actually when I got through Homecoming this year, um, homecoming for me is usually about a 95 to hundred hour week, um, just with everything that we have going on. And so when I you know made it through and survived homecoming this year, um, I think it was that Sunday or that Monday I went out and, and I bought my first television that I've ever owned in my entire life. And I bought, uh, an Xbox one. And, uh, now that's, that's kind of my, one of my, uh, ways to unwind is as I go home and I'll play uh, NHL or Call of Duty or something like that for an hour. Um, and then the other one, uh, the clock's the clock's ticking. Um, but uh, for about the last three four weeks, um, I've been I've been riding a motorcycle. Um, had my uh, for about five six years. I've wanted to have one, and and the right opportunity, you know, presented itself. And so uh, you know, had, had never ridden one prior to about four weeks ago so i started by uh there's a parking lot across the street from my house that's about uh you know 50 yards long and i probably did 
300 loops in that parking lot just trying to teach myself and then and, and, you know it was it was so much fun um you know obviously you know now it's you know i i've, I've gotten past that point but you know i remember that that first first time out <clears throat> i was getting so frustrated with myself and and uh you know something that was supposed to be this enjoyable relaxing you know uh activity was was proving to be pretty frustrating and uh um you know, I, I stuck with it, and, 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 you know, now it's, you know, I've only been riding for four weeks, and and um, it's a pretty pretty enjoyable thing for me to do, and, and I can't wait until next spring when, when it's nice out again, and uh, that, that'll definitely be a, a Sunday Sunday activity as much as I can, you know, regularly make it. Uh, the scenery here um, in eastern Iowa is, is magnificent. Um, and there's a route that I can basically hop on uh, right here in town, and and that'll take me all the way north, and you, and you kind of just follow the, the the Mississippi River, and so it's uh, definitely got my eyes set to the spring a little bit, uh, and looking forward to that opportunity. But uh, those are the two two main things that I do uh, to to kind of unwind and and uh, you know put my mind at ease. Uh, next time someone's in Dubuque, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? You know, it's uh, it's not going to win a whole lot of decor awards, um, and I'm sure there's even people here in Dubuque that have never heard of it. But I'm a big pizza guy, um, and I'm not the you know I grew up in Joliet, Illinois, um, so I'm not the but I'm not the the big Chicago pizzas the best pizza. I just Bottom line, I love pizza, um, and so there's a. It's called the Watershed Cafe, um, and it's located on the north end of town here in Dubuque, and they have my favorite pizza on this entire planet. Um, you get these monster. It's like a, a mix between honestly, it's a mix between a Chicago, you know, that thicker crust, and then the Brooklyn style, like big floppy pie slices. And these things, you know, they they're literally the size of my head. And uh, it's a it's a perfect, you know, they they do they sprinkle this um, cheese just right along the top, and it just kind of sits there, and it, uh I'm getting hungry for it right now, but um, if, if you're in Dubuque and, and you've got, you know, it's not really a, a dine and dash type of thing. It's, it's you know, you got to sit down or take it to go somewhere, but uh, Watershed Cafe, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal pizza um, on, the, on the 1 to 10 scale. I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and give it a, an 8.2. You can't really go higher than that because then people think you're just being fake. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go 8.2, uh, one bite, and... Uh, um, you know, everybody knows the rules. It's it's a great slice, and uh, if you're ever in Dubuque, check it out. Perfect. So if anybody had uh, any questions for you, maybe they wanted to follow up with you after this interview, what would be the best way to do it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, shoot, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter. Um, you know, I that's the, probably the where I'm most, most active. You know, obviously everyone's got email, but, um, you know, I – I the only time I really check my emails when you know it buzzes. Whereas I'm I'm always on Twitter, um, and uh, I'm doing I'm trying to do a better job of participating in these uh, side of chats. Um, they're I found they're really interesting, and I, I actually really enjoy them. Um, it's just that Monday nights are usually when I'm trying to do a lot of my prep work for the week. But uh, I think 
I still, yeah, I've got about 45 minutes right now until tonight, so I'm going to hop on and, and participate again. But uh, um, Twitter, I'm always on Twitter, so shoot me a follow there, shoot me a DM, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm all about, you know, helping people out. So if, if, you know, I like to believe we do, you know, some things pretty well here at Loris. Um, I've gotten a lot of questions about our live streaming setup and things like that. And, and I did the webinar for COSIDA continuing education a couple of weeks ago. And um, that's kind of one of the things I take a lot of pride in. Um, lately, it's uh, the, the newest thing, so to say, is, is um, instant photos. Um, we've got... Uh, I worked with our IT department and we've got some different ethernet hookups now in our basketball gymnasium. So that when my kids um, are, are taking photos, they're being sent instantly to our person doing social so that when we're putting out our graphics during the game, we're not just using an old, you know, photo, game photo from three weeks ago. We're using a photo that was probably taken five minutes before we published it. So, um, that's kind of the new thing that, that we're trying to fine tune and, and we'll see how it works. We got a home tournament this weekend that we're going to give it a go. So. Perfect. So it's uh, funny that you kind of mentioned the, uh, the webinar. That was the first time that I've kind of like got introduced to you. And, uh, I know side to chat, one of them founder ish type of thing. Uh, Kelvin Quellies was on it. He's been on a pod like twice now. I thought it was really, you, you two had kind of a funny moment when Kelvin kind of like lagged out or I don't, I don't know what he did. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, uh, Kelvin, do you have anything more to say about it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he, had, I think he had said he, um, he was, he got disconnected from his campus internet or something. Huh. And, uh, and I didn't have any idea that he had basically lost the lost on the call. And, uh, I, at the same time, I'm not, I don't want to cut him off. He had something to add. So it was just one of those, I gave him five seconds and then, all right, we're just going to keep moving. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was good. little comic relief on a Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. But, uh, again, Jim, thank you for coming on. I really, really do appreciate it. Um, again, just thank you. Yeah, it was a, it was a pleasure. Uh, you know, I think this is a great opportunity for, for the stories of, you know, many, many SIDs to be told. And, uh, it, it was an honor to, to get an email from you asking to be on the show. And I look forward to seeing how this show can continue to grow and evolve. It'll be perfect. And um, I want you guys to know, everybody, uh, we will be off next week, uh, Thanksgiving. I put If you did not vote in my Twitter poll and you're upset about it, too bad. You missed the, you missed the mark. So um, we will return on the 30th. That'll be with Jill Price of the Baylor Bears. And then the week after, it'll be Donnie Smith, uh, the SID of the year and the NAIA of Southeastern. And they're called the Fire, which is probably the best name I think. Well, next to Dewhawks, I think that's pretty interesting. Next to um, the the most interesting nickname, I'm thinking about doing award type of things for like, you know, best nicknames. I don't know. That's just a that's just a thought I've been playing with so far. So uh, maybe just a uh, an honor roll. Uh, you know, America's best collegiate nicknames. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, thank you everyone for us uh, downloaded, subscribe, rating, or viewing is pretty important. You can follow us anytime on social media at Sports Infocast there, and you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, gosh, I've forgotten now. Google Play, and um, uh, there's one more in there. I can't remember it, but it's somewhere in there, and we're on four different platforms, so thank you all for listening. Hope to catch you all in the next episode.